You are with us for episode 13 of the Rocky Talkie podcast. I am your host, Rocky Riccatoni. Uh, we are shooting at uh, St. James Espresso Bar here in ha- Hamilton. For those of you on YouTube, hello. Um, joining me tonight is um, a lovely soul that I barely know, but I just know that I really like you and that we're going to get along wonderfully tonight. Uh, this is uh, Miss uh, Amy Forsyth. Did I pronounce that right? Yes, I, yeah, you did. We met... In passing, while you and uh, Aaron Brown and Brad Barnum, who are producing you from the band Family of Things, which we had on uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, you guys are coming in for coffee. We sure were. And we met, and uh, you gave me a hug, and I was like, I like this girl. <laughs> in the era of COVID, when everything is dangerous, uh, we had a quick hug, and, and uh, they were telling me that they were working with you. Spoke very highly of you, and I just had a gut feeling that you were somebody that I wanted to talk to, because number one, I love artists. Um, the primary goal of this podcast is to talk to creatives and, um, I just have a feeling you have all that in spades. And so I asked you to come and you said, yes, I did. and here I'm you so are. Glad I did. The, yes. With your Thank iced you coffee, for having me. Oh, my, my pleasure. So, um, let's jump right into it. So you are a Canadian gal, but you are, um, you split your time pretty, quite extensively between LA and New York. You were saying. I do. I've been in New York and LA for the last seven years or so, but my family's here. And with COVID, I just decided that I needed to come back for kind of an extended period of time. So I came back last summer and stayed for six months and then went back to New York for work and then came back this time to work on my EP. Amazing. Yeah. How is the EP going? It's going so well. Yeah. We're getting close. We have our, uh, we have like a week left and it feels like crunch time, but it also feels like it's going to be the, just the coolest, craziest week. Um, it's going so well. It's so scary to jump into something like this because I've never pursued it professionally, but I'm just with people that I love and can trust, and I just feel safe. So it's been amazing. Wonderful. How did you meet uh, Aaron Brown and, and Brad Barnum? Brad and I went to camp together. Really? Yeah. Okay. We went to camp together like 10 years ago. Well, we worked at camp together 10 years ago and went to, get, went to camp together summers before that. Um, and I know Aaron through Brad. Cool. Yeah. So that worked out? Yeah. And you are an actress as well? I am. That is what I do. So when you say work in New York, is that what you're referring to? Yes. So you're, you're able to be gainfully employed being an actor? Yes. Can I knock on this wooden table? Please, please explain <laughs> to me how you've managed to pull that off. I don't know. That's I amazing. I all the time. No, it's just kind of, I, it, I've always known that it's what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I just never questioned it. And so I did community theater growing up mm-hmm. and then I, I ended up signing with my agent when I was in grade 12 and I almost went to university, um, was going to go for theater. And a week before my first audition, I was like, I'm just gonna not, I'm going to take a year off. I'm going to audition, see how it goes. Mm-hmm. If it goes well, then great. And if not, I'll go back to school. I'll give myself a year. And this is where the knocking on wood comes in. Cause it's, been working ever since. So, so can you hear me? Okay. I oh yeah. can't tell. If I'm, yeah. Okay, if great. you, if you need to move in closer, we do what you need. Um, what you hear, we'll hear. Great. So, um, okay. So this is where I feel like I failed as an interviewer because I, I deliberately didn't dive too deep because I want to talk to you organically. But what I, what I would like to know ahead of time is the work you've done professionally so that we could dialogue that, about that. But 
I need to know, like, are you doing commercials? Are you doing print? Are you in um, small parts in movies? Like, how is it that you're able to string this along enough to make a living? Because it seems miraculous. It is miraculous. And I don't know how I just, I just am maybe in the right place at the right time. Um, But yeah, I've just, I've, I definitely have dry spells. Everyone does, Mm -hmm. but um, I've just been very, very fortunate and I've been able to work on some incredible projects. Anything we would know? Um, I'm so horrible at answering this question, but um, I did, I did a show called The Path that was on Hulu, which you wouldn't see here in Canada, but um, I was on that show with Aaron Paul um, and Hugh Dancy and Michelle Monaghan. Really? Who are incredible human beings. And then I did a show, I did a mini series for sci-fi um, called Channel Zero. It's one of my favorite things I've ever done. It was the most creatively empowering Heard of it. Uh, thing I've ever done. Um, did a show on NBC called Rise. I have like a one season, maybe that's actually the trick is that right. like I have a one season curse. But it means that I get the opportunity to work on new things, which is amazing. So, um, That's yeah, and then I did wild. a movie called Hellfest. I got to, like, scream a lot. And then <laughs> I did a movie called Beautiful Boy, which was, I got to Whoa. cry a lot. And Beautiful Boy, is that the with? Yeah, Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet. Okay, now you're just bragging. I'm not, you asked the question. Good for you. <laughs> it see was, I like, just, seven on the see list. How I just, see how I just cornered <laughs> you into that question? That's amazing. I, I'm Honestly, I'm, I'm so happy for you because... Listen, I, I understand it's almost a preternatural knowing in your gut, even as a child, to the point where you, you might have felt crazy, but you just knew that it was going to work. There were things in my life as a creative, I'm like, this is going to work. I'm going yeah. to do this. And it looked reckless and it looked, it looked nuts, but you just know. Some people just, whatever. And uh, it's, that's happening for you. That's amazing. And the thing is, is also... It, Clearly, you're very likable. And I've also learned that as a professional musician, talking to record labels and doing acting myself, if they don't like you, they don't want to work with you. Yeah. So if you have talent and you have, an, you have a personality, that's also going for you. Mm-hmm. But uh, at 26, that's a phenomenal resume. Thank you. Are you enjoying it? Um, it's my favorite thing in the world, other than music. They're both my favorite things in the world. And I can't imagine being in this industry if I didn't love it as much as I did. It's just too hard. <laughs> you know, I've, 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 I've often wondered, I'm like, would, would it be harder to transition from an artist or an actor to a musician or a musician to an actor? Um, I always thought it would be easier to jump off from music into acting because I was like, oh, what's that actor trying to put out an album? But you're, you're coming at it from a position where... It might still be that. We don't have any news yet. <laughs> People might still feel that way. Well, we'll it, see. I think it's, I think if for, for superstars, it's a lot harder, but I think someone like you who's, who's successfully working uh, and you're not uh, hiding from paparazzi, you can bend and weave whatever you want to do, which is great. What do you, what do you like better? Unfair question of the night, music or acting? I can't pick. I know. I have to? No, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you that I understand the unfairness of the question, yeah. uh, but it, there's got to be one that you feel completely at ease in more than the other. Like, I know I'm a musician, I'm a songwriter, I'm a chef, yada, yada, yada. But this right here, talking, that is my, that is my cozy bed hmm. with the window open. Like, this is my most centered piece without sounding cliche. Would you, can, you, can you wager a guess on that? 
I feel like my answer has to be that I feel more comfortable in acting, but I actually don't believe that. I think that's just because that's what I've done Been first. Doing. And I, like I've had that positive reinforcement by way of booking a job right. that says, hey, you can do this. I haven't tried. I'll ask you in five years. Yeah, I don't know. Ask me in five okay. years. I just can't. That's why I started doing musical theater as a kid it was because I, I was taking piano lessons mm -hmm. and I was in ballet. And then my friend told me about this crazy thing called musical theater where you got to sing and dance mm. and act at the same time. And I was like, that's cool. That's what I want to do. So for me, acting and singing have always gone hand in hand. And so right. I've always done music. Good it's answer. just been right. secret. From, so, <laughs> so through that, through that channel of uh, musical theater, it's both. Yeah. That's very yeah. fair. So, um, so many questions. Let, let's, I love to know those aha moments when a musician or an author or any kind of creative goes, what was that moment where you went, oh my God, this is changing me. This is what I must do. Let's take, let's, let's have two, two divisions. Let's, let's talk about albums that blew your mind. Let's talk about acting moments on the screen that blew your mind. And let's talk about musical theater that blew your mind that, that, that went, Oh my God, I must do this for me. It was Jesus Christ superstar. Mm -hmm. And I was like five which I got the chance to do on theater and it was phenomenal. Um, so I, I want to know from you, let's go, let's go albums, regular albums or artists in that respect. I think the first CD I remember buying was Avril Lavigne. Nice. Um, it was like living out my angsty teen days as like a eight year old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, music was such a funny, I didn't know the radio existed. It, music was such a funny thing to me because I just didn't, we didn't have a lot of music growing up in terms of variety. Mm -hmm. I had, we had two tapes in the car. We had the Beach Boys and the Backstreet Boys. Interesting. Pretty solid, to be honest. Yeah. Pretty happy about that. Yeah. But that's all I knew. And then we always listened to 98.1 CHFI. And I just didn't know that you could change the channel. So I only knew those songs. And then one day I went to school and my friends were all singing the same song. And I was like, how do you, what is this song? And how do you all know it? Right. And they were like on the radio. And I was like, what's the radio? That's interesting. <laughs> and then my mind was blown. And then I listened to all kinds of new things. I, my dad played other music for me. My parents were separated and my dad played me like everything like Rush and Joni Mitchell. And, right um, but I, I heard it so like sparsely in my childhood that it, we, it didn't hit me until I was much older. So, um, Music, although it moved me from such a young age, I don't feel like I had like a, a big, it wasn't the biggest part of my childhood, but then when I discovered it, it was, it was everything. And right. I, I loved Avril Lavigne, and, um, but I also loved musical theater. This moves us over to, um, to stage. Was that the other, yeah, the other one? Yeah, before we hop onto that one, do you think uh -huh. Avril Lavigne uh, moved you because she also represented an iconic look and an attitude paired with music. Were you drawn to the overall, like, like the Beatles, they I had- I was probably drawn to the drama of it. Right. Like there was something cool about it, not just being music, but it about like, it was a lifestyle. This punk goth attitude-y angsty thing. It was like, I, I used to perform, my friends and I would like make up dances. My friend Becca and I would make up dances to Avril Lavigne and I would ask, I was like, mom, can I swear? <laughs> I wanted to say the word damn. And I would like, I would act out to her music and I just, yeah, it was probably her persona that just made me excited. But 
Um, that's such a funny person to have as like an iconic. But you don't get to childhood. decide those things, right? Like, you know, that's, that is what it is. <laughs> it is did you grow is. up with a fairly traditional family or was, did, you, did your family not listen to a ton of music? Um, fairly traditional. Yeah. I, I, I guess my mom like just listened to 98.1 CHFI, you know, it just, that's all it was. That's awesome. Um, let's go to, let's go to musical theater. So yeah, I have a feeling you have a real passion about that specifically. What, what were the, some of the, the shows that really shaped you and moved you? The first thing I ever saw was Mamma Mia. Yeah. And I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. In, in the theater or? In the theater. Wow. And then I was obsessed with ABBA. And I'm still obsessed with Mamma Mia. And I'm so upset that I wasn't in either of the movies. And if they make a third one and I'm not in it, I will find a way to be okay, but I'll need to go to therapy because of it. The edge of your seat thing. That's a thing. I've, been, a on, I've thing. been on the edge of my seat being moved by a performance or a film. You know when you start dating someone for, like new and you just feel like you can't get any closer to them? <laughs> But crawl inside their psyche. Yeah, yeah. Like if I could just put your skin on my, like right. I just, it's that, it was that with seeing theater for the first what time. What a great I was like, I answer. need to be in that. Wow. Wow. That ha I have to be immersed in that. It's almost like you're, you're looking for more oxygen than you can actually bring yeah. in to breathe. Now, when I went to go see the movie Amelie, and if you haven't seen that, you I need have. to see that. I went by myself and I was, I, I was smiling from ear to ear the whole time. And I went back the next night and saw it again myself. It, it was in an old theater. It was just like the perfect and I was at the edge of my seat. I was yeah. captivated. I mean, also, what an incredible movie. What a great, so how old would you have been when you saw Mamma Mia? I feel like I was seven or eight. I don't actually know if that's true. Someone is probably going to look up when they were on tour and say I was wrong, but it was early. It was An really impressionable early. age, for sure. Yeah. Take a sip. See that. I see that. That's good. <laughs> and one of the perks of uh, shooting a podcast inside a restaurant cafe is you got yeah. some, some good stuff. Um, what else beyond Mamma Mia? Um, Any shows that you wish you could see that have been off Broadway for a long time that, that most of us haven't had a chance to see yet? I mean, there's a show that is now back that was out for a brief period of time before COVID hit. Which was? Town. I've never heard of that. <gasps> Do you know Anais Mitchell? I know the name. She sings with Big Red Machine sometimes. She, was ju she just did some stuff with them. Um, she's incredible. And she started writing what is now the soundtrack of that show. Wow. As a, I think as a solo work, like as a, it was going to be her album or something. And then it took on a new life and it's now a Broadway show. And about, it's, it's incredible. And all of the people involved are unbelievable. Cool. Um, I'll check it out. Eva Noblezada, I'm obsessed with her. She's like 24, 25. She was in Miss Saigon when she was like 16. Okay. She is truly one of the most incredible voices of our time currently, I think. And she's a dream. Um, but Hadestown it is now on Broadway, so people Very who cool. are in New York can go see it now. Have you, have you ever gotten to uh, Spring Awakening? Yes. Great, great music. We did, when I did, I did a show called Rise on NBC, and it was only one season, the one season curse, but uh, it was about a theater troupe in a high school, and the show that they were doing in our show was nice. Spring Awakening. Nice. So I sort of got to do Spring Awakening, but not really. Right. But would love to. You should have been on Glee. 
Oh, I'd love to do it. Glee would have been uh, your perfect scenario. Could have been, wasn't. Did, did you audition? I auditioned like way later and I think it was the role that, or it was maybe right after Melissa Benoist joined the cast. Okay. Um, they were like, we like you, but there you have it. There's a similar energy. And I was like, I guess it's gotta be her. Right. Um, it's also probably just a nice excuse that they gave me. <laughs> that's a, that sounds very familiar as a, as a musician with a band. Like, we, we like you, you but, but we're not sure what to do with you. Um, This is great. Uh, Sorry, my brain works in like crazy ways and I'm really bad at following. No, 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 you're fine. The linear path. So we've covered music theater. We've, we've covered music in its own right. Uh, in terms of film, uh, mo <laughs> moments on film or, or a performance by an actor, anything that went, that was, had an indelible yeah. impact on you. There's one in particular and I do think it's kind of funny because it's, I mean, it's just not like a, giant movie that should have been my the beginning of my desire to do this but it was the first time I saw a person around my age on TV and or on, in a movie because I knew when I saw the movie that I I knew I wanted to be an actor but I thought I had to wait until I was a certain age, a certain age. Right. and then I saw this movie called Dreamer with Dakota Fanning mm -hmm. it was a horse movie <laughs> and I was like oh I can do that now? And it changed my life right and on. my mother's because then I would not stop asking her. Mm. Like I have a vivid memory. I saw it in theaters and then I, I like begged my mom. I remember like weeping and pulling my mom towards the door to try to get her to take me again to see the movie because that's how I felt fulfilled was just, I was living vicariously right, through right. other child actors, right. desperately wanted to be a child actor, was not allowed to be. And she's a good one too. And she was, she's what a great an example, one. yeah. She's a great one. Um, but my mom was a single mom and couldn't swing it and also was being protective and right. thank God she was. Right. I can't imagine. <laughs> so. So dreamer. I, <laughs> all, these, all these shows you're talking about, I'm like, I have to go back and watch these. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the album right now. Um, was because you've been so busy with working as a, as an actress and, and uh, do you prefer actress, actor? I don't know how that. I say actor. I okay. honestly don't have a sure. preference. Uh, <clears throat> was it a step of faith for you to go, okay, it's time to stretch into writing and recording. Like what was that jump off point like for you where you went from it's time, it's time for this part of my life now to take shape because no matter how gifted you are, it, there is it a moment where you go, I either do this or I don't. Mm -hmm. And I'll say I could have, but I didn't. And uh, it's a decision we all have to make. What was that like for you when you decided this is, this is the time to do this? I think it was a few things, but it was definitely sort of that feeling of if I don't now, I may never. Right. Um, and kudos to you for doing it, by the way. Thank you. It's scary, but it's also about time. Yeah. You know, I've known my whole life that I've wanted to, to do this as well. So, um, I'm just so excited to be starting. Um, but for me, it was um, horrible, devastating heartbreak. Mm. And then I had a falling out with my best friend and then COVID hit and I was living in LA and lived alone in LA. My whole family was here. So I had, I was just emotionally in a terrible place. And then the whole world was emotionally in a terrible right. place and physically in a terrible place. And being isolated for as long as I was, as we all were, but I was very, very much alone, um, just 
even emotionally before COVID hit. And then with COVID hitting and everyone being so far away, I just turned to writing and I had tried writing so many times, but it just felt because everyone says you just have to write, you just have to sit down and write and then you get the bullshit out of the way Mm -hmm. and then you'll find something good. And I just, I felt like, it ju- that just didn't resonate with me. Like right. I had tried that and I still just, I f- it still felt too hard. And then I thought, well, am I just giving up too easily? But it just didn't work before. Can, can I jump in on that? I, I, I've had this, I asked this question of Brad and, and Aaron, I think, and it's like, you know, can, do you need heartbreak to write a great song? And Brad emphatically said, yes. yes. <laughs> um, and so there's, there's the two, uh, I'm going to go off on tangents like you as well. So we're just going to go for the ride. There's, there's two multiple, or there's two uh, ways of thinking about this as artists. There's the disciplined approach where every day I clock in, I'm just going to, I'm going to write to write. Mm-hmm. And then there's the ultra creative side where it's like, no, I need to be moved to move myself into a song. And uh, I still haven't decided. I don't think you have what to. kind of artist I want to be in that respect. I feel guilty that I, that I'm not doing it. Militarily, I don't think you get to choose. I don't think you do either. I got to tell you because, like, there there are bodies of work that I'm very proud of that I didn't have to work very hard for. Yeah. I, I had moments of, oh, I, I I caught a tiger by a tail. I got a melody. I got a chord progression, and then the work started where I had to finish the job. But in terms of finding life, birthing life into a song, it's kind of always come by passion and inspiration. Inspiration landing. God walking into the room, so they say. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I, I personally agree with that. That seems to be what has happened for me. I, I've tried the other way and mm-hmm. it hasn't worked for me. And I think it's such an individual experience. It's such a personal experience. And I don't think there's a right way. I think people gatekeep far too much. Mm. <laughs> They're like, especially in the music industry, you walk into a store to buy a guitar and you know nothing and you just start made to feel like you should know something. And I just... I feel like it's the same with songwriting. I've, I, and I, I, I think people just have what works for them and mm-hmm. maybe they're just trying to impart some knowledge on somebody in a kind way, but there's no right answer. I agree. I, I feel. And all these, all these, all same these, acting. Yeah, yeah, all these, all these imagined barriers of entry and rules. It's like, well, you know, I don't know about that. I think it's both. I think it, there's many paths towards it, but I, I'm with you on that. I'm more of a, creative type or yeah. um, so I so is it safe to say that the majority of the songs five songs six songs how many are on the CP coming up six were these all birthed during the time of isolation and COVID yeah wow I have not kept a single thing from before that I've honestly haven't had a single thing since before that I've had maybe one or two that I wrote when I was 15 or 16 that have hung around a little bit, but not really. Is that because you had a good life? Um, maybe. And it's also not a fair question Is that, that to, to assume that you can only write when you've had bad things happen to you is bullshit. I've also but. had bad things happen, but I have, I mean, I have been really fortunate, but, um, but maybe, maybe there was just a, an innate comfort. To be honest, these songs came when I was single for the first time in my adult life. Mm. Like I'd, I was a serial dater and monogamous. Like I just was always in a relationship um, from the time I was like really 16 or 17 to 24. And in the, to- the short period of time that I wasn't in a relationship, I was still living at home. Mm-hmm. 
And so I had people. And then when I was 19, I moved to the States by myself, but still was dating someone at any time, at any given time. Um, That's a big deal. So this was the first time that I was alone. Mm. And I was the most alone some of us have ever been. Did you feel that was the most vulnerable you've ever been? Did that help with the songwriting? Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I don't know if it, I don't know what comes first, if it's the the vulnerability right. or my job or my job that then brings out the vulnerability. But vulnerability for me has always seemed like the norm. It's always seemed accessible. I've always been pretty open. Right. Um, I guess being open doesn't necessarily mean you're being vulnerable, but I, I, I felt fragile. Mm. I, f- I was like, every day was a real challenge. So, which had happened before, but you know, it's it was it was next level. That's this, this past year and a bit. Good on you for doing that. Yeah. Just looking at yourself in the mirror and, and and doing that. That's a cathartic, scary, and healing place for sure. Yeah, the first time I was hugged, it, like I hadn't had someone touch me like like on the arm for five months, and I was just like, Were you literally like? I was literally alone. I would just me and my dog and my apartment. Did you take isolation like super seriously and like not step out? Yeah. But I had also been through this breakup and we had all the same friends. And then I had a falling out with my best friend who was also his best friend. And so my friend group was sort of split sort of, but not, but then COVID happened. So everybody was sort of split anyway. So you went deep underground. I was like, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have any contact. And then I, these songs happened. Wow. Because based off what I'm feeling and seeing from you with how open you are, like I can't imagine you spending a half a year <laughs> without human contact. I can't either. I mean, I wouldn't have done it. None of us would have done it unless we were first right, absolutely. in this situation. But yeah, it was, it was wild. But like, what a gift. Sure. I, I knew I needed to be alone after my last relationship. And I think I had convinced myself before COVID hit that like, I've been alone, I'm gonna keep being alone, but I would have given in to being with someone a lot sooner than realistically I should have. And COVID forced me to be alone for that much longer and it sucked, but it was the best thing that could have happened for me. Let me let me play Oprah Winfrey for a second and just ask you the, the, the relationship question. <clears throat> have, has your um, relationship habits in terms of always being with someone, have you been cured of certain things based off that time? Are you more at ease with being independent or is that still in there where you feel more comfortable in the world being attached to another relationship? Who are you on the other side of that? I'm definitely more comfortable now being alone than I ever have been for sure. I feel like I can't answer completely honestly sure. until I'm in another relationship and I see how similar or different it is. Well, that will follow you with the camera I, crew and I see if hope. <laughs> a really handsome guy comes I, up to you. I hope. I was actually just talking with Brad and Aaron about this the other day, about how it's so strange when you do so much work on yourself and you start to realize, you, you like figure out some of your traumas and then you sort of think, well, because I know about the trauma and now I've, I've healed it. Right. And recognizing that you haven't, but you're like, but I'm aware of it. So this shouldn't hurt anymore. And it's just still does. Sure. Absolutely. You know, I don't know. So I think I'm still, I'm just still figuring out who I am. And Mm -hmm. I'm just so glad I'm alone 
right now. I might change my mind tomorrow, but well, right now I'm just so happy I'm alone to figure it out. That's that's an exciting place to be. And I would say at 43, who's lived 10 different lives and has a father of two, um, you figuring it figuring this out at 26 is a really, really great thing, really great timeline, because too many times we learn these serious lessons sometimes too late. You know what I mean? And that's that's really great. Um, it might take me to 43 to hey process any of them. But I think, you know? I think that's the, the biggest thing is like, we think that it should be like, damn, I should, I should have victory over this by now. Damn it. Yeah. And then there's that real time regret. And it's like, it takes as long as it takes. There are things in my life, like, you know, the whole uh, denial, anger, acceptance phases of oh, things yeah. uh, in my life for certain things. Each one of those phases lasted five to seven years. There's no timeline. <laughs> you know what it's I mean? the same thing with, with how to write songs or yeah. how to be an actor. Like I, people gatekeep it or they tell you how you're supposed to process things and how you're supposed to feel. There, there's no right answer. And that's the problem with advice too. Advice can be great. A lot of times it's not bullshit, but it's like your story will never look like their advice. That advice comes from hindsight, which is always 2020 and have gone, gone through it yourself. But like, you're never going to do what I, what I did. No. Neither will my brother. Like, so, and yeah, that's why heartbreak hurts so much. Cause you're like, surely no one else has experienced right. this. Cause we, you die that we wouldn't exist anymore as a species. Right. I feel like I'm going to die every second of every day. And it could not possibly be as common as it is. You yes. just feel like I agree nobody with you. else knows that feeling. And that's what is so beautiful about us as human beings. Beautiful and terrorizing all at the same yeah. time. This is a question I'm finding myself asking a lot. I asked, I asked this uh, with the guest uh, earlier and today and someone else a couple weeks ago. Would you have created what you've created without that heartbreak and those relationships falling apart and being? Oh. And it's, it's, the, it's the calamity turned to blessing thing. It's, isn't, it, isn't it amazing? Yeah. Each time we go through calamity, we forget that on the other side, there's usually something good happening, but, but you, you, you fall apart at real time calamity. But looking back, it's, I'm always astonished at how horrible things produce some lovely yeah. pictures, which I is mean, maybe there'd be a version of it, but it wouldn't be this, Right. it wouldn't be what it is now. There's actually, there's a song on the, on the record sort of about that. Um, it's called feeling and it's a, I sort of, I think, in my past relationships, I feel hard and I feel very deeply. I feel a lot and it's mm -hmm. a blessing and a curse, but I wouldn't change it. Um, and in my past relationships, I've sort of been convinced whether intentionally or otherwise that it's a bad thing that I feel as much as I do. And it got me and I believed them. And I was like, yeah, I'm too sensitive or yeah, I'm just being, I don't know, difficult. And I realized like I would much rather feel as much as I do and have it hurt as much, but feel as much as I do than be in the position that they're seemingly in of being robotic and not allowing themselves to feel anything at all. And yeah, so I, there's a song that's on the record that's about that. And I, I feel like I, if I could talk about it well, I would, and then I probably wouldn't write music, but so, I mean. That, it's in the song, but <laughs> I love that you said that, and I love that you are the person that you are because I would say that overfeelers and people who live with passion and experience things like full on, viscerally, 
uh, we're, we're a minority, I think. And um, to hear someone talk about it, it's like, oh, there's another one like me. Uh, and it's, they don't realize that it's, uh, to sound really dramatic and ultra gothy, it's almost like a dark gift where it's like, it hurts, but it hurts so good because you're feeling real colors that a lot of people just don't. And although it sucks at times, it produces an awareness and a savviness that's connected, that you connects you into like the underpinnings of surface things and you're feeling, I don't know, it's like you're jumping out of the matrix and get, you're touching a deeper well of humanity. And, uh, I, yeah. and it's creepy and it's a lot, but I don't think I'd want it any other way. When it's, when it's, su- yeah, when way. it sucks, it sucks. I but, mean, not feeling. <laughs> right. So I, I don't really know where I'm going with that super uh, tangent there. But, but my, I guess my point is, is I, I empathize with people who process things practically. Mm. There's a lot of good that comes out of it in a, in a much easier life because they're just like, they see in a 2D kind of way. But I don't think I'd ever give up um, seeing in five dimensions uh, because it's... What a beautiful world it, yeah. we get to see. Yeah. So I, it's, I'm, I feel like I'm in good company because it's, this is why I wanted a creative type podcast because it's, I'm surrounded by a lot of analytical thinkers. My, my wife is the love of my life, but she's incredibly analytical in the sense that and everything she touches turns to gold because she process, she's a processing machine. But I'll have emotions where she'll be like, I don't understand. Yeah. Or I'll go, why do you love me? Yeah. <laughs> because because I, I need words of affirmation and my wife's not a words of affirmation person. She's so She knows I love her when I do things for her. Right. Me, I need to feel your emotion. Yeah. Why do you love me? And so yeah. it's just so funny. So I don't know what my point is, but I, 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 I feel you. I, I get you. Yeah. I get you. And you know what? I wouldn't want to create art without that. I think that's I my point. I wonder if you can. I'm sure you can. For sure. For but sure. It, but... but I think it's a different kind of art. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think Bob. I guess the like producers behind that, like well, the networks that tell me I can't wear a certain color sweater because they don't want me to look that yeah. way. Like maybe that's I a would, version of that. But I would guess that Bob Dylan is an analytical thinker and Joni Mitchell is an emotional experiencer based off two prolific writers. Hmm. But I feel like column A, column B. It's like John and Paul. Paul could write really melodic, silly songs that were hits. And when John wrote a song, John was tearing his heart out and he was taking a stand. There's, I think you I think it's both end. I think you can. But do you think it's, do you think it's like analytical or do you think it's just that they might not be sad, but they're still feeling in a certain way? I don't know. You know, these, I'm sorry about these flies. That's okay. It feels like I'm at camp. It's lovely. Oh, it drives me nuts. Um, I don't know. That's a, that's we could probably spend because forty minutes on feeling that. Feeling and emotion doesn't mean that it has to be like painful. No, you know. I'm if I was a, to feel great joy. If I was a gambling man, I would say you could create art as an analytical, uh, sterile thinker. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, I just can't imagine. I, but I can't. I, but I can't imagine. That's the thing. That's yeah, the thing, right? You're definitely right. Um, what when you were writing? What was your primary instrument that you were? writing on I'm such a terrible musician um piano and guitar but like bass level like actually it's actually embarrassing how little knowledge I have when it comes to 
I feel like I peaked at 11, <laughs> at age 11, when it comes to like my ability with musical instruments. Um, but I just have not practiced. I've, I self-taught, like I'm self-taught when it comes to guitar and piano. I quit when I was maybe 12 or 13 because I was only learning classical music and I was like, I want to learn to play things I can sing. Right. Um, so I have very limited skill. Um, but that's, are they a tool for you? Do they help you? They're definitely yeah, a tool. Well, yeah, there you go. No, they're a tool, but it's, it's been amazing to be in the studio with brilliant minds like Brad and Aaron and, and Brad and I knowing each other for as long as we have too. He just, he hears what I hear and I, we don't even have to say it. Like when I played, he came over to my mom's house and I, where I have the piano that I had growing up at my grandparents' house, which is a whole other story, but thank God I still have that in my life. Um, you know how you can just write in a certain way on certain instruments? That piano for me has been a godsend. I fought for the same family's piano to be in my house before I went to the dump that's been in our family for 60 years. I'm like, yeah. no, no, it must be here. It's, yeah. even if it's like the shittiest piano, which ours isn't, mm -hmm. but like it's sometimes they just... It takes on a life of their own. Yeah. Yep. Um, but when Brad came over and I, I played him a few of my songs, I didn't say anything. He was like, oh yeah, and then it goes here, and then it goes here, and he was like, doing the strings in his head and then singing them to me. And I was like, yes, exactly. Like we just knew. Um, and I just feel so lucky to be with a person that knows my brain that way mm -hmm. and that can, can like transcribe what is silent to everyone else. He just gets it. Absolutely. Cause my, my, I mean, I'm, I have enough to get by into, I mean, I've written all of these songs myself and I, there are plenty more where they come from and, but it's truly embarrassing when I, if I were to try to play piano yeah. guitar for you. I would say the finished product is really all that matters. But, but Until I go on tour, hopefully, and then I have to play. Just hire a band. Yeah, I've already asked them to come with me. That's <clears throat> um, funny you mentioned about Brad being able to kind of uh, be a companion to you and to, and to complement your, your foundational songwriting. Uh, it's so important to have producers that make you feel comfortable. Um, I don't know how much experience you have in the studio, but it can either be a nightmare or it can be phenomenal. I can't imagine and, doing this record with anyone else. Right. And that's, that's such an, it's, I mean, it would be like having, being comfortable on set. You know what I mean? It's like creating an environment and that's, uh, and, and Brad specifically with his multiple degrees, he, he breathes rare oxygen from the rest of us. Like that's a whole other level. Where do you feel like you're laid bare most acting or being a musician? I'm laid bare. Just the most vulnerable. Yeah. Both in different ways. I think with acting, there's always the excuse of, but it's a different character, which is half true. With music, there's no hiding. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess I could do what Lady Gaga did for so long, but I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, in theory, could, but or I, Sia. I, I can't. Um, so with music, it's just me and my experiences and my words, which come from my brain. And that's really scary. So probably music. Yeah. What comes easier to you, the melody or the lyrics? For me, they um, honestly, they kind of come at the same time. Really? Mo I guess maybe melody like a hair before, but I, I'm not really a like write a song over six months kind of person. I'm like a, I write down, I, I sit down and I write the song in 
three minutes kind of person or really? in 10 minutes, but yeah. like, it's usually a one sitting thing Good for you. A handful of times it's been over the course of a couple of days, but it's, it's really pretty much all at once. So, wow. so both, it, I don't know. It just either works or it doesn't. It goes back to you sit down and write as a practice or it just comes out. It just sort of comes out. And mm-hmm. I find the, the parts of the song that stick, if I do do it over the course of a day or two, they're the things that then just come immediately. It's not sitting there trying to figure out what's going to work. It's just, it comes and then I'm like, yeah, that's it. Like we haven't changed. And I guess, I mean, we haven't recorded vocals yet, so this could change, <laughs> but they haven't spoken to me about it uh, at all so far. I think we're changing maybe two words and my, that was my doing on the, from when I brought the songs into that nice. recording nice. in terms of lyrics um, and in terms of melody, actually nothing has changed. So it just happens. I yeah. don't know. Maybe it'll change it all next week and I'm a fool. But Isn't it funny when you're listening to your album being recorded and it's, it's all the backing tracks and it's like you're waiting you you love that it's coming together, but you know you haven't given full birth to it yet because the vocals haven't gone on. Isn't it? It's such a strange thing. It's like you can't wait to get on there and and do it. But I, can you speak to that? It's it's such a unique thing to to see the song being built and know that there's still one big job to do, and that is to give it life with words and melody. I What's think, that like for you? I mean, I've never done it before now, so we'll see. But I. Uh, I haven't really thought about this until you asked me that, but I think my experience with this EP has been, I showed up with my stuff, with my six songs that I decided I was going to put on the EP and they were just mine. Was that hard for you to show them by the way? Or were you proud of them and you knew you had something? Oh, I was scared shitless. Like I, I am convinced that all of them are utter trash and my mom is just biased and needs (laughs) to stop telling me. Your mother is lying to you. Um, I was like, even, and Brad, I know so well, but we lost touch for a few years and by a few, I mean four. And then he came back into my life and, um, even somebody I knew I could trust. I was so afraid to play my stuff. But once I did, I, I, it's just scary when you don't have anybody else telling you you're good because you just have to believe in yourself. And with music, I find that really hard because it, it I, is just me, right. you know? And in some ways I'm like, well, if I think I'm good, then I have to like myself. And we all know I don't like myself. So how could I think my music is good? Well, that's that's why I asked you, what, what where do you feel like you laid most bare? Because yeah. like in those moments, so the, that. here's, my, here's yeah. my menial sum, please. But with this, so I, I showed up and I had my six songs that I decided I was gonna put on the record and um, they were just mine. And over the last three weeks, I've just seen them take on this new life that was, I mean, everything I heard is there mm-hmm. and now there's so much more. And it was actually when Aaron was, we had a day here in Hamilton at Threshold Studios where we were laying down drums and Aaron started playing and I started weeping because it just was the first moment where I felt it like become bigger than myself. Right. And what a feeling, eh? What a feeling. Yeah. Oh, it gives me chills. Just and you realize, you realize you're better at songwriting than you really are because you well, start. I haven't felt that yet, but, <laughs> <laughs> but there's something about a backbeat that comes on and a bass. And I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is a song. Yeah. And even it's, with like Brad playing piano, he's an incredible pianist and I could never do what he does, it's but it's still, it's still an instrument that I somewhat know. Mm-hmm. So in theory, if somebody taught me to play exactly, like if he told me exactly what chords he was playing, in theory, mm-hmm. take a long, long ass time, I could do it myself. With drums, I have zero skill. Yeah. And 
Brad, if you're listening, I could never do what you do. I, I take it back. Most of us but, can't. <laughs> but hearing Aaron play, it just, it became so much bigger than me and my little, my heartbreak right, and right. my music. And so this whole process has been it growing to this degree that is just so great. And um, now in the last week, getting to lay down all the vocals, I don't know yet. We haven't laid down any vocals yet for it other than scratch. I have a feeling and I hope that it's going to feel like mine again, but in a greater sense than it ever has, you know, That's like a putting my great it, way to put it's, it. It's coming back home to me. That's so good. You sent it out and yeah. you shared it and built a community on it as you know, not to sound corny, but, and it comes back to you. That's a, that is, a, that is in a nutshell what creating music yeah. is all about with it, with a team of people. And it's amazing what comes out of you at a dark time with just a piano or guitar suddenly becomes a song. That's all. It's a beautiful thing. I can't wait to hear this album. Um, I'm so scared. That's the next step is actually sending out. Like yeah. I've, I finally decided, okay, I'm going to make music now. That was the step. Then playing it for Brad and Aaron was the next step. Mm -hmm. Having session musicians was, I guess, the next step. But I am so, I have to, uh, yeah. The step of sharing it with the world yeah. is going to be a whole other thing. It's I don't good, even know when I'm going to do it. It's a good scared though. It's, it uh, is. Yeah. Um, let's, let's roll back into the acting part of the world and being in that scene in LA and New York. Um, what are the biggest takeaways you've, you've gathered so far in your experience as an actor in LA? What, 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 what do you know that the layman wouldn't know about LA and the experience of being part of that community? What's it like? I just don't want to sound so negative, <laughs> but the, this is also sort of the difference that I find between New York and LA. And the reason I'm, I think, drawn to New York a little bit more. In New York, we all know the industry's hard, right? But in New York, people are honest about it. They're like, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm depressed. And everyone's like, yeah, me too. In LA, everyone's kind of pretending that they're not, but everyone is. Everyone's struggling. It's Why? hard. Why do you think that is? Keeping up appearances, being brainwashed into thinking that you have to be some perfect robot that looks a certain way and doesn't feel deeply until they're told to. Like, I don't, I think social media has affected that a lot. Do you think they're always kind of networking? Yeah. You know, the, the, the Rust Belt cities, the East Coast, I, that makes sense because there's no bullshit. It just confuses me. It's like, we're a group of people who have decided to feel for a living. Why are we pretending that Man, we don't? Man, that's a great perspective. It's so funny. It, but like, why what are you only allowed to feel when you're on camera? Like, this is hard conundrum. and this sucks. What a conundrum. What a conundrum. Let's weep together. <laughs> what a great, what a great point. Wow. So, hmm. So how long did it take you to realize that was the thing? Was it immediate? Because you're you you feel you. I can tell you're someone who puts your scent. You you can feel an environment coming back at you. Was it immediate, or did it take you some time to I realize? Think, I think it took me a little bit of time. I definitely felt a different energy as soon as I got to LA. But I it it wasn't until I had people really hurt me that I realized how shallow a city it can be. Mm. Because you, of course you know that, but you think you've escaped it somehow. Like I got there and I was like, I know this city sucks, but like I found my people. 
Right. And then a bunch of them stabbed me in the back. And then some of them slowly came back around. But I was dumbfounded that people that I thought were my people could do that. And then I realized, oh, of course, everybody's going to be nice to your face. Because what can they get from you? So it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a sorry, L.A. It is. Some cliches exist for a reason. There are good people in L.A. Sure, of course there is. But there's a prevailing feeling, though. An atmosphere that every place has. And uh, I, I just yeah, wanted to LA, know. It's like people, it, the feeling is like, oh, people's dreams are dying. Like it's just, the city's like wilting. Wow. You know? You're not the first person I've heard say that. I love California. It's such a beautiful, beautiful place. LA is one of the saddest places I've ever been. If I had a soundbite ability, I'd be, that would make my, <laughs> that'd, like that'd be a podcast. Pessimistic, like, negative artist is no. shitty Catch your new album out. Uh, no, I think that's I think that's valid. I think it's it's pretty pretty vacuous and pretty um, disingen disingenuine disingenuous. I never know which one's the right word. I think with the ass, but I don't get. But um, you you confirmed um, my theory for sure. So New York feels a little bit more palatable to you. It just feels more human. It feels more honest. Can you get as much work being an actor in New York as you can in L.A.? There's definitely less studios in New York, but. But most places, or sorry, most work comes through there at some point anyway. Like they'll, they'll audition there. I mean, honestly, now it was happening before COVID, but especially now everything's online. Like right. all of my auditions are on my iPhone. Crazy. Every single thing. Everything from satellite. So you can kind of be anywhere. Like I've, I'm, I mean, being back here, Toronto is obviously a, a city for work as well, but I am mostly reading for American projects and it doesn't matter where I am. If they need, I mean, yeah. I mean, now even chem reads are on Zoom and then you just fly when you're ready to do the project, but you can kind of be anywhere. Have you experienced, like this total quantum leap now, have you experienced residuals yet from things? Has anything you've worked on been in rerun? Yeah. Now that's I have no concept of how wild. it works. Zero. It makes no sense to me because some of, it's all like online platforms now too. And some of them are like 33 cents. And then sometimes there's a nice paycheck that comes out of nowhere. Crazy. Maybe that should have been my answer to your first question of how I can be an actor still. And like how I can be an actor and right. make money at my age. And I keep thinking about the surprise residual checks. The, the, the horror movie that you were in and the screaming. And I've often wondered, I'm like, how hard is it for these people? <laughs> to scream take after take for multiple scenes. Can you can you talk about that? How did you yeah. audition for that role? How how did it, what did it do to you physically? Like how do you scream on on command? It is such a strange thing. It, it's also sort of been a running joke, f- just with myself because I I feel like in I've done a lot of horror movies. You have. I've done a lot, there. Are, that's like the most work that is out there. Is like indie horror movies. Do they feel movies. scary when you're in them? I've often wondered that too. Are they are they are they freaked out because they're on a creepy set and like yes and no. Most of the time, no. Every once in a while, yeah. But it's not because of the surroundings. It's because of where you you're having to place yourself in your head. Right. Um, the show that I worked on, Channel Zero, that was on Sci-Fi. That one, that was one of the most emotionally and physically challenging things I've ever done, and it's one of my favorite things I've ever done. But that one was genuinely scary. But it was because of the writing, because of our practical effects, because of our crew, because of our, I mean, our crew wasn't scary, but they were just kind in giving us the space to create mm. that world. Um, 
And the actors were amazing. So are you doing vocal? Uh, no, I'm not saying. I, I was saying the other actors that I was able to work with were fantastic. I got you. So do, do you need to do like vocal warm-ups to make sure that you don't damage your cords by screaming? Because that, that, that takes a toll. It does take a toll. I don't know how somehow it has not affected me poorly. Maybe it's from the, I'm not, honestly, I'm not screaming properly. Like I know that I, I know how to scream properly in theory, but it's not going to sound the way that it should for a horror movie. Um, Is there an approach to screaming properly? Well, I, I feel, I don't know how to explain it. Cause I also haven't like studied it and I haven't studied vocal. I'd like, I'm literally such a, I don't know. I'm just making everything up flying by the seat of my pants, but, um, I, f I can feel the way it would feel good, mm -hmm. but it's not going to sound the way they want. So I just fully commit. And maybe it's just the years of doing musical theater in my community growing up that I have the, I don't know. I just somehow have the stamina, but it is exhausting. Like it is, it, it feels also when you're doing with horror movies, you're always doing crazy night shoots and right. it's always freezing and you're wearing nothing. And like, you know, it is exhausting, but they're at, when we're like in the trenches and it's, everyone's miserable, those are my favorite moments. Yeah, it builds. Uh, I just love them. Yeah. What um, do you enjoy the auditioning process? Yes. It's really hard sometimes. I, I, when I say that, I mean, let's let's forget about doing it remotely. Let's say you're going into a room in L.A. and you've got four people watching you. Mm -hmm. Do you enjoy that? I enjoy it when it's done right, when it's done fairly and when they're kindly. When they're doing it right? Yeah, when actors are treated like other creatives and we're all in it together and not like cattle that are lucky to be there. Yeah, that whole cattle, <laughs> herd of cattle thing. That I don't love, but it is such a, an incredible playground. Mm -hmm. How do you do with cold reads? I've done a few and I hated them. I actually think I'm probably really good at them. I haven't had to do a lot, mm -hmm. but I actually sometimes wish that I could do a cold read instead of sitting with the material. Sometimes I prep very little, like I'm, maybe it's a cop out, but I, I really don't do much prep for the roles I'm doing unless it requires like research. But in terms of making decisions beforehand or anything like that, I kind of just learn the lines. Like I learned my lines the night before or like right before I'm going into the scene. I've thought about it, but I don't, I just kind of keep myself open to mm -hmm. things. So, but I sometimes wish I could do cold reads as my audition because I feel like sometimes if the script is good, when I'm reading the script, I'm getting like it, I'm feeling immediately. Right, and then I don't have to think about anything. Like I, I that's why I don't like to prep too much because I don't want to overthink it. You, you're aware of who Marlon Brando is? Oh, I think so. The Godfather? Yeah. Fairly prolific actor. <laughs> Heard of him. Uh, he never learned his lines. Is that true? Yeah. So he always had cue cards in sections of this of the room. And you think he's like acting as he's looking up and, you know, you know contemplating something before he answers something. But that's him reading Just his lines. Reading the, every time? Every time. And... Cheater. It, yeah, but the thing is, though, I'm kidding. It kind of goes back to what you were saying about working off a cold, cold read. He, it worked for him. He, I guess. Yeah. He made it so organic and seamless. Like it doesn't matter. Um, I guess it's kind of cheating, but he was so damn good at it. I'm like that. He's so good at it that. That, in my opinion, it could be another school of, of acting method because right. it's it's proven. He did it so so good at yeah. the sidebar. I feel like once I read it once, though, I would 
it would affect how I read it the next time. You That's know? true. Which is why I try to just learn it, just learn it and then go into it so I can make the decisions there. But, but there is something to be said about being so comfortable in it that it, you're not thinking about the lines anymore. Like that's the goal, right? right. It is to just, it feels like the next thing that you're, that you as yeah. Jimmy would Second say. Second piece is good. Yeah. Um, does it ever get casual seeing celebrity or working alongside someone on set that you know well from a viewer's perspective and going, oh my God, I'm, on, I'm sharing a stage with so-and-so or I'm standing at Planet Bean and, you know, Madonna's in front of me ordering yeah. a cappuccino. Does it ever, do you ever get used to that? I think I kind of do, but not because I've been around it a lot, but because even as a kid, celebrity didn't blow my mind. But I think it's only because I knew at such a young age that, that I wanted to be their peer, mm -hmm. that I was like, I'm not going to care. I was like, I want to give them the respect that I would want if I were ever in their position. But from like, like I, it's been like, I don't go to concerts because like, I don't want to be a fangirl. Like it's weird. It's not like I should just. You were empathetic about them, even though you weren't them yet. You know, you just knew. I, was like, I, I know I what you're talking about. I want to be cool like you. I don't want to be like, oh my God, yeah. you're Madonna. Yeah. You know? You know, I, when I worked at, um, uh, very popular espresso bar in Toronto. We had celebrity in Dark there. Of course. How'd you know that? Do my research. <laughs> <laughs> Am I at the place now where someone's doing research on me? Amazing. Uh, how, how did you know that? Because I listened to last. Oh, I listened okay, to the okay, okay. With the boys and you were talking You're about. You're freaking it. me out here. Um, <laughs> celebrities constantly, right? And I think I only had one goober moment where I was like, "Oh my god!" Like you know, it, you're you're you. It was Gord Downey from the Tragically Hip. Oh. Um, I, my knees went weak, and. Uh, <laughs> But generally, I treated them like normal people, and it was the quickest way I got to know them. Of course. And uh, I just was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be that guy. First of all, because I don't really care. Secondly, I, I, I empathize for their, their need to just be anonymous and have a coffee. But they, it became a safe place for them. And also, a handshake is always better than a picture. Yeah. You know? I never asked for a picture, ever. Who wants that? Oh, some people just have I, no I shame. Guess, I know, but I've never understood it. Even going to like going to Stratford to see shows when I was a kid, my mom was like, do you want to go to the stage door? Mm. And I always, like, I didn't want to. You don't want to take, you don't want to take something from them. Yes. Yeah, I was like, you've yeah. already given so much. Yeah. I don't, you don't owe me anything. That's good. And I don't want to go, but I wanted to go because I just, I wanted to learn more. So I would go, but I, I never cared about pictures. I just wanted, I like, I just wanted handshakes. Mm. I just wanted, yeah. And I didn't even want to say that I was an actor. My mom would, she's not a stage mom, but she, she was just empowering me, I guess. Right. And was like, what would you, do you have any advice? Mm. But mom. I just, yeah. Mom, shut up. Um, do cool. What's been the most memorable moment for you acting? Um, let's talk about being on set because, because theater is, is an entirely different beast. Um, actually, let's start with that question. And it's an unfair question again, because it's apples and oranges. But if you could spend the next five years doing one over the other, would you rather do live theater or would you rather do film? Well, I've never professionally done live theater. Okay. So five years is a really long time. It is a long time. Maybe, okay, let's, let's, let's just say an extended period of time, like what, you know, a contract. I, I, I desperately would love to do theater right now. Have I you just ever, miss it. Have you ever watched the Tony Awards? 
In my opinion, it's the greatest award show on earth. The people are so cool. There's you, there's this community and this like ease about everybody hanging out. You just it's like a cast party. And the talent in that and the room talent, is astronomical. And the sets, the performances, like there's it's unparalleled. Not there, no one's better than the Tony Awards. Even Oblazada bringing it back to Hades Town, her performance of "I'd Give It All for You" from Miss Saigon when she was like 19 nice. at the Tony Awards. Amazing. It's sidebar. On YouTube. Sidebar. Everyone should watch it. It's amazing. So yeah, so the lo- the the theater thing is. The theater thing is is on my list. I mean, I guess it's kind of crazy. I I know I'm working on my EP right now. I'm doing it. But to really think about, I haven't stopped to think like, wow, I'm really doing it. Because it's been that pursuing music and doing theater have been the two things professionally that I've been yearning for Mm. since I have been an actor and doing TV and film. And these are the things that have felt these are the things that we're missing. And I'm so excited that I'm doing music, but yeah. theater is still that thing that's missing. Like there's something, I just, I'm getting goosebumps. There's, there's just something so visceral about the stage and it doesn't even matter what caliber of theater you're doing. Community, Broadway, off-Broadway. If there's, if there's 500 people in a room breathing the same oxygen as you and they're watching you and you're in the same space and you have the feel of the wood of the stage beneath you and coming in and out of the wings, it's something that if you've never experienced it, there's nothing like it. It's like this. It's such a such a specific thing, but like the smell of a fog machine. Yes, yes. <laughs> like it's like it's like incense in a church. It's like they belong to each other. Yeah. There was one show when we, when we did the musical Hair, uh, two thousand and one. I played one of the leads. We were lucky enough to have the the creator of Hair come to see the show. Anyway, this was long enough ago that they didn't have smoke machines um, like they have now. They re- it, was, it was an oil-based smoke. Great. And we had to lie on the floor in, and, and in uh, act two and have it fall on us and it would, it would choke us and you'd have yeah. to sing and it was like, this is not cool. Yeah. But uh, no, that's, I don't know. Such a specific uh, thing it is. to talk about. It's a very specific thing. People are like, what the hell are you talking about? But yeah, for, for those, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. That's very, very but cool. But I miss that. I'm like, yeah. I miss choking on the fog machine, you know? <laughs> running, running beneath the stage to get to the other side of the wings. Yeah, all of it. Quick changes. Yeah. Like, not allowed to pee for two and a half hours. Like, I'll take it. My wife and I are, are committed to uh, bringing our kids to theater and uh, orchestras as much as possible um, because I want them around culture like that yeah. and um we we can't wait for that um so i i like these kind of questions because they're fanciful and also not fair but if you if you could spend a really great scene a one-on-one scene with an an actor of your choice and and get go there with them who would it be daniel day lewis oh my god that guy has been, I call them thousand pound rolls. The guy is, is off world. You can't, have you seen My Left Foot? No. Do you know the story of that? Yes. Yeah. I'm like saving it. I don't talk, know why. Talk to me about Daniel Day, share with us Daniel Day-Lewis. I, I want to hear. I mean, I, I definitely have 
there are other people that I could have answered that question with, but I just, there's just, no one does it like him. Like, I want so badly to be scared shitless by him. You know what I mean? Like, I know that he would ruin my life in the best way, pos- and I want it. It's like he's possessed by whoever he's playing. My therapist is going to call me about that. <laughs> what have you seen of his that, that has uh, impacted you? Because he's got a pretty large body of work. Actually, he doesn't because he's so selective, but yeah. what have you seen that's been um, impactful for overall you? Overall existence. Um, what, there will be blood. Is that the one? Yeah, he's in? yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, like that. My, I don't. Yeah. So Scorsese, for um, Gangs of New York. If you know the story, stop me. But Daniel Day Lewis left acting and he went to become a cobbler? a cobbler. And Scorsese begged him to come out of retirement to do Butcher Bill. And not only did he was he phenomenal in that role, but he was speaking in a dialect accent of old New York that hasn't been seen in 200 years. What was it? I haven't seen it. So. You haven't seen Gangs no. in New York? Here's the thing. I, in the same way that I'm like terrible at guitar and piano and I am writing an EP, I am the worst actor. I don't know names. I don't know faces. Same with musicians. I don't know movies. I haven't seen them. I think, I think <laughs> while you're in Canada... That's my job. You need to come to my house and watch Gangs of New York with me. Okay. Because you need to see his performance. Suck it, Aaron. <laughs> Aaron can come too. Um, okay, that's great. Great answer, by He's the way. He's just amazing. Yeah. I saw him when I was in LA. I was eating sushi on a patio and he walked behind my boyfriend at the time. And I, I just like, I was like, I think that was Daniel Taylor. Yeah, he's... And he goes, where? And I said, he just walked behind you. And then I like ate sushi because again, I'm not a fangirl and I don't right. care about celebrities. Um, I do, but I wasn't going to do anything about it. And then I like looked up and my boyfriend was like running down the street and he wasn't going to say anything, but he came back and he was like, that was him. Is he, is he tall? <laughs> I don't remember. I was sitting. So I, I don't know. He's a dude. He's, oh, he's, he's so good. So cool. Na- and like yell at me, please. <laughs> please scare me. Uh, on the, on the actress side of things, who would you like to share? Uh, a scene with? I mean, we can go classic and say Meryl. Is that a little bit of nepotism because you know her daughter? Or is that natural? That's is that natural. honest? That's okay. honest. That's honest. Oh, we could really talk about nepotism if we wanted to. Sure. No, we, we don't have to. But We like, got 55 minutes before the second hour is over. I mean, it's just something I'm experiencing lately. That I nepotism? That, yeah, and not not my behalf. Like, my mom's a nurse, my dad... It, 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 but that's one thing about the industry that I think I, like, forgot about that has just been so prominent lately that I've noticed in terms of jobs that I've been up for or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's such a real thing. And I guess it's real in every industry, but, man, what a challenge. You're like, I literally can't do anything about that. Why, why audition for a role if you know that somebody's kid's doing it too? Yeah, I mean, yeah, because nine times out of 10, they're going to take that person. Really? And they do. And like, it just, you're like, well. Because they, then they'd be that casting director who didn't do that star a favor. Yeah. Maybe, like, I don't know. I am sitting here like, don't you want to be the casting director that like gets the cool new person? Right. Come no, on, no Hollywood. I wonder if it'll go away again for a while. Probably not. Probably, not. <laughs> Probably never. <laughs> Everyone will be having kids. You can't, you can't outrun. But again, like, it, you know, if I were in that position, if I had any sort of success in that way and then had children, mm-hmm. I would, like, you just want them to be happy and you just want them to succeed. Depends on what receiving in on, on those things you are. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go back to the, the, the actress that you'd want to do uh, a scene with. 
I mean, of course, Meryl. I think, um, I feel like Susan Sarandon would be really fun. Yeah. Also, Emma Stone seems like she's the coolest. She seems like a really cool gal. My wife loves her. Let me ask you a Fight Club question. I don't know if you've seen the movie. I have. What celebrity would you like to fight? Good old-fashioned brawl. Me, Benicio del Toro. <laughs> I, I think he'd. I think he'd so be a great. Much. I think he'd be a great fight. I've been saying that for twenty years, and I, I, I maintain that Benicio would be a would be a good. I think you're right. Yeah, I feel like he'd spit in your face, and he'd be just like, I don't know. I actually do think that Emma Stone would be like a badass. Yeah, <laughs> I think fighting Emma Stone would be so fun. Probably would be, but like not actually, but like it would be fun if it was meant to be fun, and no one was going to get seriously injured. So is that the answer, Emma Stone? Sure. Okay. Very cool. Um. Let's talk about New York. Let's talk about food. Where, I love where, food. where do you, um, where are some of your haunts that you get consistent good food from? You don't, do you not eat out a lot? No, I do, but I'm a vegan. You know, I was going to ask that question before I asked that question. Uh, okay, well, that's a challenge. I know. So who's doing it well in Crossroads in LA? LA would probably be a no-brainer, right? You could probably find no problem. So many places. Yeah. There are lots of places in New York as well. But I mm. don't know. I don't have like a go-to. Do you eat bagels and cream cheese? Why well, eat vegan cream cheese? Right. I know. Okay, so why why are you vegan? Acquiring minds want to know. I know. I know. Um, I just really, 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 really love animals. It doesn't bother me if other people aren't. Like if other people eat meat or like all I've cooked meat for people. I just, I'm, I just love animals too much. It makes me sad. It's that feeling thing. It's that whole feeling thing. I went vegetarian when I was 12 because my friend showed me a video of it and I was like, and then I went, I was going to go vegan that day. I called my mom when I got home from school on our landline phone and I said, I'm going vegan. And she said, well, vegan is different than vegetarian. And I was like, I know mom. And she said, do some research. And she insisted that I be vegetarian first. And I was. Um, but yeah, I've now oh. been vegan for like five years. Okay, so what's a kick-ass vegan snack or meal? Like what, what's, because oh, I, like I, I have no idea. vegan food. I'm not talking like carrots and hummus. I'm talking probably some like soy shit that's going to kill me. You know, like bad things. I love a Beyond Burger or an Impossible Burger. I never, I've never tried it. Good? I mean, you're a chef, so... <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. Well, it's, t- it's tough talking to a chef about veganism, to, but... If you go to Crossroads, have you ever been to Crossroads no, in LA? No. You should go to Crossroads. They're doing it so well. Been to LA once, and that was 10 years ago. I mean... So... You don't uh, ever have to go back, but if you do go back, go to Crossroads. They do it well. Oh, see, I, I'm, it's fine that you're vegan, but because you're vegan, we can't chew the I fat, uh, no pun intended, on, on certain food things. Uh, do you... Any, any bars that you hang out at at New York, or...? There's a bar called Hearth, and they make the best old-fashioned I've ever cool. had. It's in the East Village. Where, who, who makes your best French fries? You can eat I French don't, fries. I don't know. Do you eat French fries? It's almost the only thing I eat. <laughs> <laughs> I love them so much. I love all kinds of French fries. Yeah. I love potato wedges. I love shoestring fries. I love lattice fries. I love double, double fried. Best, best fast food fry, in your opinion? I really don't know the answer to that question. It's a tough question. You have an answer though. I know you do. Uh, I'm a, I'm a McDonald's guy, but lately yeah, Burger I, King has been um, elevating game. their game a little bit. But sometimes you just want a filthy McDonald's French fry that you know is just like yeah. not going to go anywhere in your stomach. Julia Child said that her favorite frite was McDonald's when they were cooking it in <laughs> beef fat, 
in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so where, where else, where else do you want to go in terms of uh, stuff you're passionate about and, and, and discuss because there's so many, um, so many avenues we can go down because of all the things that you're currently doing. Um, how soon, well, while you think about that, let me ask this question. How soon do you want to see yourself performing live the work you've been busy creating and producing? I would say immediately, but that's just not true because I don't even know when I'm going to put it out. So you're going to sit on it for a bit? I am i don't know. I feel, most people don't know I'm doing this. Really? And by most people, I mean like my agents don't even know I'm doing really? it. My manager knows and my a couple of my friends know and my family knows. But I feel like I should be somewhat strategic about it and not just like put it out there. I feel like I should use social media in some way to sort of direct people towards it. And in that way, I think I should have some sort of plan in terms of, I hate the word content. I hate people like, I just think it's ruined everyone's lives. But I, I would love to have a visual component to go with mm -hmm. the EP. And so in that sense, I want to sit on it for a minute because I don't quite know what that looks like. I yet. got you. So full experience. Yeah, yeah, I want it to be a full experience. It's been such a full experience for me, and I just think that if I can have any control over the shape that it takes when I when I send it out into the world, I would like that's good to have. Yeah, um, but I don't want to sit on it forever. I mean, I it's I'm so excited that I'm doing mm -hmm. this, and I I've never performed any of my music. I've never performed music live other than doing musical theater when I was a, an infant. You know. Do you have any inroads with record labels? In LA or New York, no, based not off what you do, no, no. I would, I would suggest to you to find a uh, music uh, lawyer yeah, as well as a good. musical agent because it's a, it's a pretty scary uh, scenario there. Yeah. So when are you gonna audition again? Oh, I am every day. Are you? Well, not every day, but like I did right before I came here. So your age? How does this work? Your agent sends you emails and says, "Hey, this is coming up." Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get a breakdown from my agents and it'll say the either the name of the TV show or the name of the movie, um, the producers who wrote it, who's directing it, actors who are attached to it. Um, and then the synopsis and sometimes the script, most of the time the script and then sides, I'm sure just the, the scenes that they want you to tape. And then I read them and I'm a weirdo and I self tape alone instead of with another person because I've, had to because I've been alone for so long, but also now it's my comfort level. So I, like a lunatic, uh, record the lines that the other actor would say, cool. and then I send them to myself and play them on my computer and then record on my iPhone. And then I edit it together, send it to my team, they send it to casting, and then cool. either Zoom calls happen or they don't, or, and then I get a job or I don't, and then I fly away. Are you bummed out when you don't get a part, or do you feel like you've had enough work come so far that you're, you're tempered with not getting something? I'm somewhat tempered, but it depends on what it is. Yeah. If it's something I really, really wanted, of course I get sad. It's sometimes hard when you put so much of yourself into right. something. My right. friend and I were talking about that the other day, about sometimes you'll get these, these scenes, and it's a first audition, it's not even a callback, that are just horrendous and like really challenging and you have to go to a place in your head that can be that just impacts the rest of your day or yeah. the rest of your week and you're just sending it out into a void and then it, sometimes you don't even hear anything 
and it's just it's taxing. Can we but talk it's about also so cool? Right? Can we talk about how it affects your whole week? Like that's interesting that people don't. I don't think the average person realizes that when you go somewhere psychologically, emotionally, you're you're sending a ripple into your psyche, into your yeah. state that that could last. What's the how? How is that? It's super strange. Weird. It's super super strange. I mean, I think this industry gets, you know. People are like, oh, you play dress up for a living. Right. That is so true. Like we're not saving lives here. There are people who are doing incredible things every single day. And I, I, I do feel like I'm playing dress up for a living and I feel so lucky and um, it's really freeing and fun. And then you have those times where you're like, I'm, I'm ruining myself. Right. Mm. Physically, emotionally. I've done it physically. I've done it emotionally. But I think in some ways... Like in some ways, I love it, which is awful. <laughs> well, that like, goes into the torturing, yeah, the tortured, you know, soul. I think we all have to, in some way, to to yeah. be willing to go that far. But it feels. I mean, nothing is actually therapy except therapy. Everyone should go to therapy, but it does feel like a form of therapy. It's just a release. It's cathartic. And it's, it's very cathartic. Yeah. It also it does it it can bring up a lot can bring up a lot. It's really hard to shake things sometimes. But those are the moments though where you realize you are working. You know what I mean? You're not just playing. Right. You're not it playing. A, it is a business. Yeah. 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 Can you cry and come in? I'm not asking you. No, no, no. I'm not asking you. My answer is no. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just, uh, that's one of those things where I'm like, man, they're so good at that. Like some are better than others, but how, how, how honestly, is Honestly, I have, I, I can. Yeah. Some days are better than others. Yeah. It sort of depends it sort of, it goes back to your question about, do you need the heartbreak to make great art? And I, I can say what Brad said and say, yes, I don't think you need it, but it definitely helps. And honestly, sometimes it's super easy for me to be in a really emotional state. Other days I'm like, I'm finally having an amazing day. And then I have to go to work and I have to like get my heart ripped out or I have to cry or I have to, you know, kill someone in a horror movie or whatever, you know? And and I'm like, damn it, I'm having such a good day. And then I have to go put myself in this headspace. Okay. And those days are a little bit harder. Right. Um, but it is part of the job and you got to find a way. And they have all the tips and tricks and tools. And, you know, they have menthol and they have the drops. And I don't use them personally. I hate them. Zero judgment to the actors that do. It is a tool for you to do your job right. in the same way that other other drops have tools. You know, it is, it is what it is. Um, I personally find them just distracting. Like if I'm in a scene where I have to cry, it's I obviously I can't spend all day times money and we have to go, but I if if someone's coming up to me every take and putting something in my eyeball, like I'm thinking about that right, instead right, right. of the scene, so I personally don't like them. But if you need them, they're there. Killing someone in a scene. Yeah. <laughs> what what's that like? What, what kind of what kind of murderous killing? I'm telling you, indie horror movies. You know, it's like stabbing someone. Yeah. Okay, so walk me through that. So, what are they wearing? How much are you? Uh, how does that work? I actually feel like to really like really think if I've ever had to stab someone, I must have. I've like slashed at people. I've lit someone on fire, but by like throwing a thing, like a lighter at them. Um, but I did have my friend had we were all working together on channel zero and she had to stab someone and it was 
a wide enough shot that it was a retractable knife. But when you talk about going to places emotionally, the scene is her like running at him and she stabs him in the gut and they called cut and she, we were on a live street, like we weren't in a studio, we were on a street and she, they called cut and she like screamed in the scene. She's already emotional and sort of crying and freaking out, but they called cut and then she screamed and, and continued like running down the street. And then she like collapsed on this lawn and I, what just happened? And we, the two of us ran up to her and we're like, are you okay? (laughs) What's going on? And she said, I know this is so insane. This is so ridiculous, but like, it just, it like felt like I actually stabbed him. And I just like, it freaked me out. <laughs> like I, it just felt so real. And it's look, so silly. You look like you're, you look like you're tearing up I right am, now. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking about it. But like that feeling of like every once in a while, there are things that you know are fake that just feel real. Like they're not scary. They're not spooky. But in those moments, yeah. there are a couple things that. There's, there's physical. I mean, well, you. I have had to stab someone. Sorry. Yeah. It was in that same show. Really? Oh my God, I can't believe I forgot. I probably blacked it out on purpose. It was in that same show. And I the, I remember the whole day that we had to shoot that scene. It's the very end of the show. It's a big culmination of the whole thing. And it, it was such an emotional scene. And, and then I had to do ADR for it. <laughs> I had to dub all of the breathing and the mo- of do wow. of that whole like three minute sequence. A whole other thing that no one uh, really realizes that actors oh. have to do. I had wow. to go into a booth months later in New York. Really? And watch the scene and then try to match the breathing and everything, but with that same emotion. What's that like? It's so strange, but with that particular one, it was such a visceral, like watching it took me right back uh, physically and mentally to the state I was in the day that we filmed it. And Mm. I didn't think that was gonna happen. When they told me I had to do ADR for that scene, I was like, oh my God, this is gonna be a nightmare. And it's just gonna ruin it because it's just not gonna feel the same. Sidebar, do you get paid extra for ADR? Yes. Or is that part of like this hiring role? It actually might depend on the contract because sometimes I have and sometimes I haven't, but you're supposed to. Okay. Um, But I, I thought, oh my God, this is gonna take hours. This is gonna be a nightmare. And I did it once because they played it through and I was immediately wow. taken back to the feeling that I had on the day of filming it. So it's it like, I don't know, my job is nuts and I love it so much and it is dress up, but sometimes it is for like sure. crazy physical for thing sure. that happens. Can you fall in love with somebody on a set? Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> my wife, whenever we watch a movie and we see an actor kissing someone and we know they're married to another person and, and my wife's like, I'd kill you. And there's just some things you can't play f- with fire with. Like yeah. it, when you're, you, you just talked, so you're recalling stories and you're tearing up. It took you one, one take to do that very intense scene. So there's real emotions happening. For sure. How the hell <laughs> do you be in a relationship and do a scene with an attractive person and spend six months on a shoot and have a romantic plot? How do you come away from that unscathed? Sometimes you don't. Oh, man. But I always have. And it's just a decision, really. I mean, I guess some people would argue that you can't make that decision. But, like, that's when you have to remember that it's a job. But do you feel those natural organic feelings trying to come in? 
Oh, I'm just getting gut rot right now. Just yeah. picturing my wife being an actress. And I, when I was in high school, I went to an arts high school and we had a teacher that was telling, we were talking about that exact thing. And he said, one time he was doing a play and it was opening night. His wife came to see the play. And in the play, he has to fall in love with someone and whatever, of course, they're making out. You can't fake making out. You're making out with someone. And at the end of the play, at the end of the night, she said, I'm worried. And he, I mean, he was sort of like a contrarian and liked freaking people out. But what he said to her was, and maybe, maybe this is what he told us to be dramatic as a teacher, but what he said, he said to her was, you should be. Because it means I'm doing my job. I'm not sure that's what she was wanting to hear. No, I would throw <laughs> up. I would throw up. But jerk. Yeah. No. He he liked to just you know push the whatever. But the, I mean, it is a real thing, and especially with you're like actually kissing someone. Yeah. At, like you, that is not a fake. Like your your lips are like that's yeah. a yeah. physical intimate thing. So yeah. Pat, Pat, there's an um, uh, actor who was in Dallas. He was very popular in the 70s and 80s. Patrick Duffy. He was an, an actor from a bygone time. Anyway, he was watching uh, a movie that he was in with his wife. And uh, they were both watching the love scene. And she starts crying and going, oh, my God, you make that face when you're with me. <gasps> and he's like, I didn't know what to say to my wife. And I, I just I think about that every time I see. These scenes, and then we're talking of about course, kissing. Of course he's going to make that face because that's the face he makes when he's in love. Ugh. Like, you know, you just pull from what you know. So like, I, I, now that we're on this tangent, are there any things that, that, that are non-negotiables that you just will not do? I mean, there's there's nudity, there's butt shots, there's leg shots, there's, you know, intercourse. Like, there's so many variables that as an actor you are thrust into. What What are you absolutely not willing to do? I'll do anything. <laughs> no, really. I like other than like physically harming another human. Yeah. Which I would hope no one would ever ask anyone to do. Really nothing. Really. It just has to be for the right thing. My mom and I were having this conversation the other day because of course, if I'm willing to do nudity, if I'm willing to, you know, there are going to be certain things that my family might not want to watch. Right. And I told the, I said I had a, an audition for a project the other day that I think is so brilliant. And it involves a lot of nudity and some of it is quite crude. None of it is unnecessary to tell the story. Right. And it's based on a real person and it's based on her autobiography that she released. I don't, I don't want to do nudity. Arbitrarily. Yes, but I also think that I I think that we like use nudity in a weird way. I think like if there's a scene like a, like post intercourse and some people are getting dressed under the sheets to then go to the bathroom so that there's no nudity, that bothers me more than if there was like a blurry naked body walking by in the background. Like that that we should do more of. Like right. I don't think that that's arbitrary. I don't think that's unnecessary. I think that's human. I think when it is being used 
to sell things in a way that is not integral to right. the story right. that like I care less about right. and I don't want to do. Using nudity as a tool for, I mean, is it real life? Would this happen in a real life yeah. in a real moment? Have you seen the, the series, the Irish series, uh, uh, Normal People? Yeah. I think that was a, a- I actually haven't finished it. I think that's a very appropriate approach to what we're talking about in terms yeah. of nudity and, um, you know, there was nothing scandalous about that. It was like, this is real. Yeah. This is There's real. a movie called The Spectacular Now with Miles Teller and Shailene Woodley. And it's so good and just sweet. And I can't even remember. She's very good. Oh, I love her so much. That's someone I also want to work with. I just love her as a human. I think everything she stands for is amazing. She's so cool. And there's no pretense in her in interviews. She's very like. No, she's my like dream yeah. person to echo. Like she inspired me to get a flip phone. I was like, yeah. Like, you got a flip I, phone. I love it. I got a flip phone. I'm back to my iPhone only because of maps and music. Like that's literally it. Um, but I did have a flip phone and it changed the way I use my iPhone. Um, but there's a scene in The Spectacular now and it's them losing their virginity and it's done in the most beautiful way mm. that I, it's just so, it's just so special. And I just think it's, we shouldn't shy away from those human moments because it, it, it I think it just sets unrealistic expectations for people. You know, I think in the era of, uh, you know, Game of Thrones, like the first four years, I'm like, oh, stop, just stop, just stop. Like, Nobody cares anymore. Like this isn't 1991 when sex and the right. talk about topic of how to get an ultimate orgasm was like, oh, have you seen the Cosmopolitan article on you know the G spot? No one cares anymore. And I think what I'm realizing is that it's the more subdued, realistic approaches to intimacy that are now groundbreaking. Yeah, rolling it back to not seeing anything but knowing things are happening and seeing a simplified approach of intimacy. That's now a beautiful, or even exciting like thing. Seeing everything without making it like, look, now we're looking at gratuitous. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. That it's like, let's just look at boobs. Boob shot. Like, yeah. Let's not look at like, let's just have them be there because yeah. they're just there. Like, it's just a lot simpler than it has been made out to be. This was an interesting and, tangent. We and went I, on. I, <laughs> here's your sound bite. I will do nudity. I'll do anything. Um, have sorry, you sorry, mom. have you kissed anyone on on set? Yeah. So first time around on. So I'm asking I'm asking like silly questions now because. No, I love them. Because most people will never know, and people will think these things, right? Oh, so yeah, I'm trying to think it, of yeah. like. Ask away. So your first kiss on set was that stressful? Were you embarrassed? How much did you have to brush your teeth? Were you did you do mouthwash? Like, <laughs> what, what's going on to prepare yourself for that? Um. My first onset kiss, I think actually looking back should have been handled differently. Like there should have been somewhat, now they have intimacy coordinators. Yeah, uh, that's what Which I, is great. Yes, uh, they use that for normal people. Yeah, they're not on everything, but they, I think should be. But <laughs> this was an indie horror movie <laughs> and it was sort of up to us to discuss what we felt comfortable with. And there always is that awkward conversation. And like some people have it and some people don't. And I never know. I think now it's just kind of strange because I feel like it, obviously it's important to make sure the actor is comfortable. But mm. at the same time, if you ask, this is literally the questions that are asked, are you comfortable with tongue? If an actor is uncomfortable with tongue, but the scene in theory should have tongue, like to me, I, that's why I don't like asking the question, but my number one priority is making sure everyone's comfortable. 
my first kiss, I don't think we, I don't think we talked about it at all. It was just sort of like, all right, I guess we're doing it. And then we did, and we were shooting outside, leaning on a car. It was like, he was my boyfriend that I like hadn't seen and I was like sneaking out to see or something. I don't even remember. And like, he picked me up and there was like a, like it was a whole thing, like hard makeout in front of other people on purpose, like grabbing. And we were like, all right, we're in it, we're doing it. And I was fairly new. So I was like, not, I was so focused on the kiss. I wasn't paying attention to where cameras were, like what was going on. <laughs> we, we did it however many times they needed us to do it. And then they were like, all right, moving on like to the next setup. So to the next camera angle, but still the same scene. And then the director came over and was like, okay, so you guys can kiss now. So and we were like, oh, we have been. Really? They were so, they, I, it was honestly, I should have been paying attention to where the camera was. They were so wide. We just needed to go they through the oh, I got you, I got you. We didn't actually need to be kissing. Uh, it worked out because then we were comfortable right. and it was great. But, but yeah, you do actually, I mean, yeah, you have to ask those weird questions and some some people are okay with certain things, some people aren't, and that's great. And you just talk it through. And so the director calls cut. Has is the relationship irrevocably different after that kiss on that scene on it, set? To me, it depends, and it de- it's that it depends on if you're starting to get feelings or not. Because for me, I've been in both situations where, wow. in some ways, you're like because you're a human being and you're a human that is so used to feeling so deeply and being around other people that feel so deeply that I have had moments where I thought, I know I am like, I kind of have a bit of a crush. Oh man. I feel like maybe they have a crush too, but what if I'm wrong? So in those moments, I'm like, yeah, it's changed a little bit, but maybe in a fun way, maybe in a cool way. This is of course, if we're both single, but if there's no attraction there at all, they call cut. It's just your job. And that's the that's the other side of the coin is what if Which you just can't the stand the person and you're like, you are a douchebag and I don't want to kiss you, but I have to in about five minutes. Have you experienced that? I've been fortunate and I have not experienced pure hatred for anyone I've worked with. That's good. Romantically. Um, so that is good. But for the most part, for the most part, it doesn't change. Like there, I, I'm thinking of like maybe one time that I was like, do you like me? And it was just not even, it didn't even, it didn't, it doesn't change anything. Yeah. It is just your job. That's great. So we've, we've covered a lot of gossipy, uh, gossip, gossip column. Uh, Anyone who says they don't like gossip is like, they're they're liars. Oh man. I just, I wish we could have talked about restaurants more with you, but you know, that whole vegan thing. No, Um, we can still talk about restaurants. Well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, round two, a podcast number two. We should do a we should do a post release. I would love to podcast and, and catch up with you. Um, creatively, what else is going on in your life that that you're very excited about? Is there are there other things that you're quietly planning that is not drama or music based? Are there other components of you that you want to flesh out that you haven't touched yet? Anything that you're um, stewing on? Not really. Like I would love to live in a cabin in the woods somewhere, but that's not something that I'm pursuing at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I've honestly just been throwing myself into music. I don't know what I'm going to do next. And with my job being so remote until it isn't, 
-hmm. I can kind of go anywhere. And I just don't know where I want to be, which is so exciting. So you're enjoying being in Canada? I am. But I'm getting the itch to go somewhere else again. I've just, I'm like an adult that I've, I've lived on my own for seven years and now I'm living with my mom again. Oh, and I just yeah. need to, I love her dearly. That's a, that's a cultural shift for sure. Not. Yeah. So when you, when you get out of here, is it New York? I don't know. I've had a strange pull to Victoria. You see? Yeah. But like just for like three, like I want to move to Victoria for three months and work in a bakery. Like I don't, I, I don't know a single person there. You're awesome. I don't want to, like I just, for no reason, I just want to maybe do what Daniel Day-Lewis has done and like go be a cobbler. I don't know. I want to do other things. <laughs> Chuck clams. Yeah. Like do things. Be a barista, man. It's social. I want to be a barista. I've always tips, wanted to be a barista. Tips. But okay. I can't do that in the States legally. You can't get tips? I can't work as a barista because I'm on a visa. Really? Yeah. I'm on an O-1 visa. Oh, it's, a, it's an art, artistic visa. It's an artistic right. visa, so I can't work. I'm in the process of getting my green card, but I cannot work Interesting. in any other way. Oh, so man. So actually, again, another answer to your first question. I've had no choice but to make it work with the money I make from acting. What if you said you were doing, <laughs> uh, you were doing uh, work for a movie and you were, you were learning? Studying? Yeah. I probably wouldn't legally be allowed to be paid. The things you never think about. I know. Wow. Makes the, the industry even harder because, like, I, if they might want me for a job, but then I, maybe they can't get a visa in time. I've lost jobs because of that. Yeah. We're, uh, we're at one, uh, one hour and 36. I just don't want to stop. Neither do I. I'm having a very nice time. It's, it's, um, it's nice talking to an, ac yeah. an actress and uh, a musician. It's a, it's a, it's a, your answers and your perspective comes from a very different place than most people I've interviewed so far. It's very refreshing. Really? Yeah, absolutely. It's just because my brain's scattered. No, it's not. I don't get a scattered thing. I just get you. You're you got you. You got depth. You got you got. You're a feeler. Mm. I feel it all. What's your favorite song? Feel it all. Feel it all. I just. It's not my favorite song, but. Who is that? Oh. Washed out. Feel it all. Who sings that song? Oh, Feist. I was, I was waiting for, I was going to give it to you. But you Kevin said. Drew is coming on from the broken social scene. I know this. You know this too. This is, this, this falls under your, your, uh, my research. I love it. Just keep pretending you're re re researching me and it'll just help my ego <laughs> real, real good. Um, just send me random texts. I'm researching. I'm researching. Uh, yeah. Give me, give me some albums that you're, you're into right now. You're in I'm your car. Right now. Well, you're in your car and you're like you're cruising. What what are you what are you going to? It depends on it depends on the mood I'm in. I mean, I can really go anywhere. I've I like I love Arcade Fire, but stopped listening to them for a long time and then recently started listening to them again. Same. Um also been listening to Hades Town because Hades Town is amazing. Um, um Madison Cunningham. Um, Phoebe, Maggie, Joni. I'm late to the, I'm late to the Phoebe Bridgers thing. I'm late to it too. I'm, I'm very late. And my wife actually got me into it. I'm like, who is this? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, it, it's, you know what? She's, um, she's the rare occasion when stream of thought lyrics mm -hmm. actually doesn't bug me. It, her writing she is. She somehow does it right. She pulls it off and I'm yeah. like, oh my God, this is really good. Maybe unpopular opinion, but I think Punisher oh. is maybe better than Stranger in the Alps. Oh, I said it. 
No, it's a damn good song. That was the song that actually got me onto the whole her album. The yeah. whole album yeah. blows my mind. Also, that, the national, if well, on topics of other people. Fun facts. I'm gonna just start name dropping now because I want to feel cool. Um, the national were here. They had dinner in here. Yeah, they this were. Table? Yeah, they were uh, playing a show in Hamilton. They were doing. Um, I think it was uh, art crawl. I think. No way. Something. Maybe not, oh, but cool. but I, I was friends with I am friends with their road manager who moved oh, from nice. Philly to Hamilton, and he brought them here, and I fed them pasta, oh, and wow. and I it was not my also best. My love language is it? Yeah, just carbs and like bread. I, mean, I should probably attach you to this Aaron Brown dinner thing. If I was smart, I think you get along well with my wife. It's it's just going to be pasta. Um, so yeah, they were here and um, a lot of other, Kevin Drew was here and a bunch of other musicians and it was very, very, very surreal. It was yeah. like, man, they're, they're hanging out here in my shop. And, cool. and it sucked because I had to feed them like bulk food on, in a really short amount of time. And it wasn't like my best foot forward with food. And I'm like, oh, they think I'm okay. And I'm no, not as I good. Highly uh, doubt it. But uh, it was, it was, it was very surreal. I'm like, wow, the, yeah. the ultra hip, the royal royalty of hipsters yeah. uh, are royalty. here. Hipster royalty. LCD sound system. Yeah. So good. One thing I've been meaning to ask you to keep forgetting, which is incredibly important. What, what genre are you going with, with, with this album? Like where are your influences? What are you sounding like right now? I don't know how to answer that question. And I know this is actually how we met. Remember you were like, right. Oh, what do you right. like? And I was right. like, oh, no. I don't know. I like music. <laughs> yeah. I just don't, I, I guess maybe I have kind of a cop out because the album's not done yet. So I can say, I genuinely don't know. Um, I mean, I wrote it by myself on like shitty guitar and shitty piano. So it felt very small and more in the sad girl vein of Phoebe Bridgers, but mm -hmm. it's now taken. But also I hate saying that because she's like the most popular indie sad girl and comparing myself that to her sucks is absolutely when, ridiculous. But you know what? She's an artist and just because she's popular does not diminish the fact that she's doing something special. So like, that's fine. It's true. I just like don't really want to compare myself to her because she's too cool. But, um, but now it's sort of taken on a new life and the, actually the reason I started listening to Arcade Fire again was because my best friend Zoe came to visit us in the studio she was like this actually reminds me of Arcade Fire really which I again some of the coolest people ever and like can't really compare my stuff to but in terms of where it's going like some of it feels sort of like Ernest and Sarah Bareillesy mm. but then some of it is like a little bit bigger and I don't know. I really have no idea. I can't wait to hear it. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna direct you towards a band. They're out of um, Nashville. They're two sisters and one cousin. They're called Joseph. Oh, I don't know that. Very, 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 very good. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna listen to them on the way. They're home. phenomenal. Uh, the album's called Good Luck Kid. Um, and it's very, very good. Um, would oh, you? I can't wait. Uh, where are you? Would you ever? Would you ever co-write? Or do you someone who's comfortable just being? singular and doing your own thing? Um, I never say never. I would, I would, I don't know how it would go. I might have a hard time with it's it. It's tricky. You got to find the right, it's like a relationship. You got to find the right rapport. Well, to be honest, this EP, not these songs, but actually doing the EP did come out of co-writing with Brad. He came over to my house and we drank a bunch of wine. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't seen each other in four years. And we sat down and wrote a song as a joke. It was like two in the morning. And we wrote this like goofy, loud, crazy song that is so not my vibe. 
Is it on the EP? No. Okay. So not anything like what I've written. Like he just had, he had this chord progression and was just playing it. And then I just like said a bunch of lyrics and we have kept all of them. And then he started saying a bunch of lyrics and we kept all of them. And we, and then we just wrote a song in like an hour and it was kind of a joke. And then we were like, this is really catchy. This is really fun. It's not family of things. It's not aim. Like we don't know what it is, but I was heading back to New York to work on a show. And I, he was like, let's just record it before you go. And so I went to cookbook mm-hmm. and I want to see that place Met Aaron. Well, it's gone. Like it's dissolved. Like it's, not there. It's gonna be in Nova Scotia. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sad he's gone. In Nova Scotia. I know, yeah. I know. And I feel so lucky to have seen that space. That's cool. Sorry, that sounds like I'm bragging because you nope. just said you really want to see it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but that's how I met Aaron, and it was just this like goofy day of like, let's just record this and see what happens. And then we just found that we had a shorthand, and the the way that the two of them work is just somehow also the way that I work and we, yeah, we just worked the same way. And Aaron was like, we should do more of this. Truly then, some of the best work is just birthed out of that. Yeah. It was just silly, like fun. And it's still, the song's called get invested and it's just <laughs> super f- silly and fun. And I have no idea what we're going to do with it. It'll probably be its own thing at some point, but, um, yeah, that was sort of the inception of us agreeing to work on this album on my EP and, so I guess co-writing is not entirely off the table, but it you, felt like something other than yeah. Name. That's kind of a, you kind of fell into that by accident, happy yeah. accident. Yeah. Do you think that you'll find um, comfortability performing your music live? Do you think you'll be able to emote and be yes. awesome? It's sort of in the same way that I always knew I was going to be an actor. I've always known that I would perform and do and like tour and and sing my stuff. I can, I can, like, I already know what it looks like. Yeah, I got you. I can feel, I've seen it. I've played it over in my head a thousand times. You're forecasting it, yeah. Who knows if it'll happen. I think I I used to put a lot more pressure on myself when I had those dreams that they would come true in that exact way that I envisioned them. And now I think I give myself a lot more grace to, and and I'm genuinely okay with how my life plays out, which is sort of, that's, come out of my alone time good place to be yeah through covid but i have giant 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 dreams as you should zero expectations as you should that's good yeah that's very good um as we wind down what do you what do you think is the most important thing to keep close to your heart as an artist as as artists put themselves out there and be brave and create and put their stuff in front of eyeballs and ears to consume what do you, what, what do you, uh, what have you learned so far that you think is worth giving out as wisdom? I think just being honest, like even if something is shit, if someone's being honest and sharing themselves and being open I don't hate it. Even if it's bad, even mm. if I'm like, oh, this doesn't work or this isn't great. If they're just being truthful, I'm excited by it. So realness. And realness. Just being genuine. You know, that's a revolutionary act. <laughs> it really is. And I find myself being 
putting on airs constantly. Like, why am I, why am I standing this way? Why am I, why is my facial feature doing this right now? Like I'm constantly trying to find, not constantly, that's a lie, but the older I get, the more conscious, more cognizant I am of when I'm performing and when I'm being truly myself, my centered self, without sounding cliche. And they're two very, very different people. Yeah. And I'm a lot more low key and a lot less insecure than I think I am when I actually force myself to be me. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that takes a lot of courage because the real me is not really an ass kiss. Not, I've never been an ass kisser, but I'm less of a doting grandma and like, like I'm loving by nature, but I'm a lot more chill than I think. And I think I'm afraid of maybe sending of the wrong uh, vibe to somebody, like make them feel bad that I'm not loving them enough or I'm not, emoting enough, but that, that's tough. It's like you want to overcompensate and win people constantly and let and put them at ease. But it's like, it's a lot of work, man. It is a lot of work. And I think something that I've noticed, and this is one of the things that I'm like, but I know it. So now it should be working and it's not, it all comes back to ego. Yeah. Like for me, I'm the same way where I am. I like am a lover, but in some ways I'm like, am I doing this just because I want you to like me? Yeah. The answer is yes. And it's it's tough. It, it's tough being it's just honest. It's my ego yeah. getting in the way. And ego is not necessarily a, a chest pounding douchebag. No. Ego is a lot of different things. It e everything. Ego is a broken, scared little boy. Ego is a, you know, whatever. So I, I don't know how we got here, but I think, forget art. I think just the art of being a human is fighting for that middle ground of just being your most genuine version of yourself. And that's tough. It's got to relearn that. Yeah. And you probably have to force yourself to do it. You know, who's good at that. Joe Rogan. Yeah. He's, he's just, wild. he's just, he'll disagree with you. I know he'll agree with you. It, it's just, I don't know. And I think it's locked in with how much he like breaks his body down with training and the discipline he has. But he's, he's one of the few examples where I can look at and go, yeah, that, that guy's, there's no pretense in that guy. It's like, What's interesting is that he's someone in the public eye. Yeah. And he's got the biggest podcast platform in the world. So you'd think that he of all people would feel the need. But is that why he's popular? Yeah. So that's one of those things. So that's, that's, that's why Jennifer Lawrence is popular. That's right. why Shailene Woodley right. is popular. Like the people that feel like human beings are the people that people actually relate to the most. You know, I, I, I've only, I'm only 13, you're, you're the 13th episode and I've already learned so much about myself as a host and how much I'm saying too much or how much I'm leading with questions or how much I'm being, you know, I always want to edify somebody before I, you know, I want to introduce them and like encourage them and, and honor them before we start the, the interview. And I, and I realized I'm like, I started like trying to manufacture intros too much. I'm like, this is now becoming disingenuous. Now I'm just trying to like win them over and then set and I'm like, no, I, I don't. Oh, and then what if they think I don't really care that they're there because I don't give them a whole red carpet. Like, so I'm learning constantly. This is a big mirror. I'm like, 
wow, I'm really insecure in a lot of ways. And then there's the video side of things that I have to look at myself and go, oh God, that's a whole other thing. But I also hate it and I'm an actor. Yeah, so the microscope, it. it's amazing what I'm learning about myself at 43 years old, doing what I think I'm the best at doing and still finding out there's so much more to grow in as a communicator. Do you know what I mean? But that's the best thing that you can say and do is like, well, there's so much more. Yeah. Like we're all just a work in progress. It's true. It's true. I don't want this interview to stop. Neither do I. But that's you're tired. What, I can see you. you know, so <laughs> it's Dan's fault, not mine. About listening to the podcast on the way here because I started it earlier today and then I kept having, I had this audition come in that I had to do and whatever, but I was listening to the podcast with the guys in the car yeah. and you, and then the podcast ended as I got here and I was oh, like, the sweet. best part about this is that I get to keep going. Great, great segue for <laughs> I get to keep hearing your voice. That's great. You're really great at what you do. Thank you, my friend. I, yeah. uh, so I grew, I grew up in a hair salon. Everybody cuts hair in my family. I was the third generation hairstylist. I was wow. horrible at it because I didn't care about I it. I was but just going to ask if you could cut my bangs. I can cut your bangs. Really? Yeah, but that's that's kind of where it, it begins and ends with me. But um, <laughs> I was a really good floor sweeper. But anyway, I, so I grew, up, I grew up with all of my aunts and uncles and my grandparents, my mom, everybody in the same building cutting hair. And uh, it was the place to be on a Saturday morning. I'd beg my mom to come and... I was raised by a village of people and yeah. cleaning out ashtrays and, and making appointments at eight years old and putting in oh, a perm for three o'clock. So you're used to talking, talking. And I used to, at six years old, if there was a party, I would pull adults into a side room and go, can we, I was always, do in you want to talk? Do you want to talk? And I'd ask them questions like a, like a TV host. Yeah. So like I've been doing this my whole life and my time at dark horse gave me like a PhD in talking to people. Yeah. So I love that you said that. Thank you. It's um, my goal. I, I really believe in the podcast. I, I, I always lament that I didn't do it when I wanted to do it 12 years ago when no one was doing it. Now everyone's got a podcast, but I, I just, still cool, right? I just, thank you. I just, I just <laughs> love talking to people. It's yeah. um, it's, it's maybe my greatest joy. Yeah. And well, you're great at it. Thank and you. And you create a very safe space. Thank you. And this, this has been bad saying this because everyone else that don't, was on the show might don't, be my best one yet. Best favorite one so far. Um, well, we're at, we're at an hour and 53 minutes. Listen, here's what I'm going to do. I, I, if you'll allow me every time you have a, every time you're home and you have a major milestone, I would be honored to have you keep checking in with us. And, um, I'd love to get you here post release. And while Aaron is here and you're in Hamilton, please let me feed you and come to my house and break bread and have some wine and see Love my, meet my kids. Maybe we'll jam and sing. Maybe we'll put some musical theater on. I don't know, but um, I'll, I got to get Aaron here and I'll, and I'll get you try yeah. to I'll try to attach you to that plan. I would love that. Um, can you name some uh, you've been, you've been dropping a lot of names of what you were doing, but right. My own self, I'm going to look it up, but for people listening, where can they see your most recent work as an actress? Um, I am in a wonderful little movie called Coda that is currently out on Apple TV. Seen that? Um, Who's in that? Marley Matlin. Is she? Yeah. Cool. Okay. It's the movie about the deaf family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's really, I play like the best friend that is whatever, doesn't I'm renting that tonight. It's not, it's not my story but the story itself is great it's one of those things that like i'm in but i'm removed enough that i can still watch it as an audience right. member which i actually love and i think is underrated it's like being a chorus member sometimes that's the best role mm -hmm. um 
No, it's beautiful. The story is beautiful. It's all deaf actors. They're all incredible. Amazing. Um, uh, you can see that on iTunes. No, not iTunes. Uh, uh, like on Apple. Apple. Apple? Okay. Yeah. What, the uh, the sci-fi series that you're in. Uh, that was called Channel Zero. Channel that Zero. was out a few years ago. It might. I think it's on Shutter. Um, I have a movie coming out in December called The Novice. Um, and I have. I'm in a show on HBO coming out at some point next year called The Gilded Age. You're a big shot, eh? No. Wow. <laughs> the Gilded Age. I am, uh, I'm honored to have ch chatted with you. I feel like I'm uh, very fortunate in the sense that I'm at the beginning of something great with you. Aww, um, you. And I mean that truly. Um, I know you're talented, even though I haven't seen one lick of your work. And I know that you're a beautiful person. And I think that's a, com that's a, that's a combination for success. Uh, no matter how vapid uh, the industries that you're choosing to be in are, humans still like good humans. So I think we're going to see some pretty amazing things. And I'm going to say one day, I had her on my show. I'll be back. And I'm going to just make you commit that no matter how big you get, you always come back I'll come to back. the Rocket Talking I'll Podcast. Come back. I'll always come back. Um, and uh, I will be, keep your phone near you. I'll be in, in, keeping you posted on dinner plans. Okay. Um, I'm a horrible texter, but I will do my best. So you've been so, so far so good. That's true. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, Amy Forsyth, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. you too. And I will be watching with great expectation for your uh, for your work to come. And uh, Kodak on uh, Apple TV. TV, Channel Zero on Shutter. The Novice is coming out, or that did coming come, out in December. And then yeah. HBO, The Gilded Age. Keep your eyes open for that. And uh, I got to get used to saying this for those of you on YouTube. Thank you for watching. And um, can't believe I'm saying this as well. Subscribe, join the family, join the conversation, and um, keep your eyes open for some content. Amy, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you so much. What a, what a chat! What a what a chat! What a chat! Thanks, guys. <laughs>